What's up, everybody? It's Jaren from the Hockey Podcast Network's newest show, the Windy City Benders Podcast. My co-host Tanner and I bring our unique takes on Blackhawks hockey. Us on this show have been a, a pro Carlton guy. for He's the right coach for the situation. Giving it to our rivals. That's one of the things that kind of sucks. I wish we would have had the Blues in our division this year because our trash. As well as bringing in some guests from the NHL. Please welcome to the show, goaltender Scott Darling. The Eagle himself, Ed Belfort. Brian Bickle. David Boland. Letter Kenny. The, the show started out with uh, basically a, a beer league hockey team. And anybody who loves the game. Find us on all your favorite podcast apps, the Hockey Podcast Network website, and on social media at WCB Podcasts. It's not quite time for the madness that is college basketball in March, but that doesn't mean the fun has to wait. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all new players the chance to cash $100. New customers can bet $1 on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. And if your team makes it rain, you cash $100. You can't lose with this type of bet, baby. That's right. All it takes is for one three-pointer being hit by your chosen team to turn $1 into $100. Sounds like a no-brainer, am I right? I mean, come on, guys. I mean, this is, this is, you'd have to be stupid not to take this type of deal. This slam dunk of an offer won't be around forever, so head to the App Store now, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, and get in on all of the action. If basketball isn't for you, DraftKings Sportsbook has daily odds on hockey, soccer, and so, so much more. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion freaking dollars to its customers since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big damn paydays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use our promo code THPN to get your shot to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. Again, the promo code is THPN. That's promo code THPN for new customers to get a shot at $100 to one odds on any basketball team to hit one three-point shot. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, or Virginia only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Winnings paid out in four $25 free bets. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Or in Virginia, call 888-532-3500. Welcome Brad to New York. Hall. This is, is the Devil's Devil State, State of Mind, of Mind podcast, podcast, brought to you brought by to you the by Hockey, Hockey Podcast, podcast Network. Network. Now here's now your host, your host Neil Villapiano. You know, I really, really don't want to do this episode. Um, 
this is this is really tough for me to do because of just what's been going on over the last couple of weeks. What's going on, everybody? It's it's your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get the most up-to-date news and topics going on about your New Jersey Devils. Um, for most of you that are listening to this, uh, I can't imagine that you're feeling a whole lot better even after listening to or you know before listening to this. Um, but anyway, I hope that you're having a good day and everything's going well. Thank you as always for taking some time to listen to these episodes. I do greatly, greatly appreciate it. Now, for a lot of the people that listen to this podcast, they're very used to the fact that I'm very energetic. Uh, a lot of the time, I'm very optimistic, uh, and even through the tough games and the tough losses, I still try to look at the positives. I can't do that at this point. Um, there's just absolutely nothing positive really at all to describe what has happened over the last couple of weeks. Let's go back to when the Devils played the Boston Bruins a couple weeks ago. It was the second game that the Devils had returned from after being away for 16 days on COVID. So I'll take you back to February 18th, um, which is crazy. Like I, I know you guys, list, I'm recording this on March 6th. Uh, you guys listening to this on March 8th. So we're actually pretty close to it being a nearly a month since that game. It's crazy how much time flies uh, and how much has changed from that point. But the Devils left Boston with a really emotional and very impressive 3-2 victory over the Boston Bruins in Boston, which gave them already their second victory of the season against the Boston Bruins. And at that point, the Devils, you know, they had won two in a row since coming back from COVID. They had won three in a row overall. Uh, you know, with winning the game against Buffalo and then going on the whole hiatus with COVID and then coming back and winning back-to-back games. And then we shift to Saturday, the 20th of February. And about an hour before, which was a day game, and again, as you guys know, I despise day games 100%. Um, we got word that Travis Zajac was coming back and that Nico Hishier was finally going to be able to play. And then maybe 15, 20 minutes after that, we got told that he was going to be named the newest captain of the New Jersey Devils. So it was a very emotional, very exciting day for the Devils organization. I remember saying to some people I was watching the game with, I said, this would be the perfect game for the Devils to have a letdown. And sure enough, the Devils went down 3-0 after two periods um, against Buffalo and were able to cut it to just one goal, but ultimately ended up losing in regulation 3-2 to Buffalo. Not great, but it is what it is. And it was tough because I knew that going up against the Capitals the next day in Washington was not going to be easy. So if they were going to have a game where the, where they could win, I would have preferred to see them win the game at home against Buffalo. So at least that they can make this a decent back-to-back games or a decent weekend. But the Devils came out fly, you know, flying in that game against Washington up to nothing, even though in many cases they had no business you know, leading at that point, and they proceeded to blow a two nothing lead and lose four to three in regulation. And then you go home 
on the 23rd, which was Tuesday, again at home against Buffalo, and you have your worst performance, at least up to that date, losing 4-1. to one. So then you traveled to Buffalo uh, on Thursday, the 25th, and you had a one-goal lead late in the third, and you gave up the tying goal after coming back, mind you. Um, and, but the Devils were still able to win in overtime and salvage one of the back, back you know, home and home games against the Sabres. You know, luckily we didn't just, you know, we didn't end up losing our third straight to the same damn team. And also that would have been, I believe, their fourth loss overall against Buffalo this year. And you kind of felt like that with that win that they were going to start really getting things clicking and everything was going to be okay. Folks, since February 26th, the Devils have been arguably one of, if not the worst team in the National Hockey League. Now, I know Buffalo is just an absolute tire fire and has been atrocious, and they are really the only reason the Devils are not in the 31st position of the National Hockey League standings this year. But the Devils had back-to-back frustrating, agonizing, and in some cases embarrassing losses to the Washington Capitals at home on back-to-back days on the 27th and 28th to end February. So that was difficult as they finished winning just three of the eight games that they played in February. Now, granted, again, they were away for 16 days due to COVID, so they didn't play a full month necessarily in February. Still, that's not great. But that was also the first two games of a five-game homestand. So you said, okay, well, you still got three games. You got one against the Islanders, a team that we've had success with, even though that they are really peaking at the moment. And then back-to-back games against our hated rivals in the New York Rangers, a team that we've already beaten twice on the road at Madison Square Garden. They have a tough loss against the Islanders on Tuesday the 2nd. And, that, you know, it was a frustrating game. And, and I expressed my frustration on the previous episode, if you guys listened to it, if you didn't go back and listen to that one. And I got you guys kind of ready for the upcoming back-to-back home games against the Rangers to finish off the homestand. At this point, going into this game, the Devils have now lost three in a row, and they had lost basically six of their last seven games. So if there was ever a time to get things going, and to turn it around and to start playing good hockey, it would be against a team like the Rangers. It also didn't help that we got word that after Nico Hischier sustained, you know, sustained an injury against the Capitals uh, when the puck was deflected up into his face mask and ended up breaking his nose and also leaving him with a concussion, he was listed now as week to week. So we don't know really when he's going to be able to come back. And it sucks because he just came back. And he only played a couple of games. Um, and, and that, I mean, that really is, I mean, you really got a feel for him. He only played about four or five games before he had to once again go on the IR. But again, you are hoping that you can at least salvage the homestand by winning the last two because you're already 0-3 and haven't even gotten a single point. They score the first goal on Thursday. Jack Hughes gets gets an opportunity where the the puck bounces off the backboards. Uh, Shesterkin, for whatever reason, decided not to play it. And then, you know, Jack Hughes gets it, goes top shelf, scores. And that's awesome. Like, that's exciting. Like, there we go. 
Like, that's going to get us rolling. Like, we got off to a good start. We're being aggressive. We're dictating the pace. This is exactly how we wanted to start the game. And that's what we're doing here. And that's that's fantastic. One, nothing Devils. And you, you would have thought that even after that, that the Devils would still continue to put the pressure on. I, I really don't want to go any further in like the, as I normally do with the really detailed descriptive, you know, how this whole game went. Um, because the Devils ended up giving up not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six unanswered goals, including a hat trick from Chris Kreider and a goal from the recent number one overall pick, Alexi Lafreniere. And it was also difficult because Shesterkin got hurt and I felt bad. And luckily for him, it's not a severe injury. Um, but the Devils ended up outplaying and outshooting the Rangers by a final of 36 to 19 and lost six to one. And Mackenzie Blackwood, for the first time this season, got pulled. He looked really bad. He gave up a couple soft ones. The defense imploded. It looked as bad as it's looked all season long. And we've had a lot of games where it didn't look good. The offense has gone completely stagnant. And it was really difficult to watch. It was embarrassing, to put it bluntly. It was embarrassing to watch that team play at home in front of fans, just the second time this season playing in front of fans to lay an egg like that. The Devils also went 0 for 4 in the power play, and they pretty much dominated every single statistical category you could, you could look at, and they still did not win the game. And you got to give credit to Shesterkin, who did very well and made some really good saves. But you also have to be very critical of the fact that the Devils, in many ways, did not take quality shots. A lot of the shots they took had no prayer of even being close to getting a goal. We were lucky to score one in that game to avoid getting shut out. I mean, we've gotten close a couple times this season where we should have probably gotten shut out, but we didn't. And we got a goal or two and at the end and avoided getting shut out. And that might be the only positive thing this team has done all season long, that for better or worse, they have been able to find a way to not get shut out in these games. But again, Really embarrassing, disheartening, frustrating, agonizing loss. And I remember on Friday evening, I was on a podcast called The Bottom Line Podcast, which is hosted by a good friend of mine, Jimmy Finizzi. And, you know, he talks about sports and entertainment. And we had on a special guest who is an up and coming young um, broadcaster. He's 18 years old and he's a Rangers fan. And also Jimmy is a Rangers fan. And what was tough for me sitting there was that those two talking about the Rangers and, and how a lot of good things are happening for them. And then Jimmy basically just ripping the devils in his own way, saying flat out that the devils suck. And it really, it really pissed me off because number one, he's a Rangers fan and it's like, you don't really have the right to say anything because your opinion at this point as an analyst, when you clearly stated the fact that you're a Rangers fan, just completely, you know, it, it, it gets blocked out, especially by Devils fans. 
I mean, I respect Jimmy. He's one of my closest friends, but there I just didn't really want to hear what he had to say because he also doesn't understand what the real problems are with this team. He doesn't get it because he's not a Devils fan. He's a Rangers fan. So he knows what's going on with the Rangers, and I'm not going to go on and tell him what's wrong with the Rangers. I could give him my opinion from a distant you know, view, but I'm not going to tell you exactly what the real problem is because I don't watch the Rangers game to game. This was the most I had seen the Rangers all season because they were playing the Devils. But anyway, so he, he went into his whole thing, and they left the floor to me. Because obviously, me being Devils fan and also the host of the Devil State of Mind podcast, they obviously wanted me to give my opinion. And I was very honest. And I really know that a lot of Devils fans out there are going to want to defend the things that I'm about to say and that I will say in greater detail later on in this episode. But to put it bluntly, um, this team sucks a lot. Like there is very little to no talent on this team. There are only maybe four guys that have any sort of talent right now. And that is Nico Heashier, Jack Hughes, Mackenzie Blackwood, and Ty Smith. And the way Blackwood has been playing of late, I don't know if it's just because he's regressing because of the amount of workload he gets or because of the intensity of how things have been going, or the fact that he had COVID or he dealt with, you know, dealing with that whole situation and it's taken a toll on him. I I don't know, but he has not played well. Jack Hughes, you know, he's still sort of there. He's still doing what he can. Nico, he's sure, obviously he's been out because he got hurt and we don't know when he's going to be coming back. That's a really difficult thing to deal with. And Ty Smith, I mean, Ty Smith is still young and he's still developing and he'll show flashes of being that elite number one defenseman that we need and he'll also make mistakes. So, I mean, we'll we'll give him that. But after that, I just don't see a lot of talent. And I know I've talked about the likes of Mikhail Moltsev, Yanni Kvokinen, Igor Sharangovich, guys like that. All of them in one way or another, maybe Moltsev to a lesser extent recently, Um, but pretty much all of them are not big factors in these games at all. And I get it. They're all so young. So I might give them a little bit more of a breather, but then you got to go to the veterans of this team. The guys who have been here for a while, Kyle Palmieri and Nikita Gusev to be, to be, to start with Palmieri has just completely disappeared. He had a little bit of a spurt where he started to make some plays, but he has fallen back into being irrelevant. Nikita Gusev has been irrelevant this entire season. And at one point getting benched, he didn't even play on Thursday night because he's been that bad. Um, I guess you could put Jesper Brett sort of in that veteran role. I mean, not really. He's still pretty young. I mean, Lindy Ruff put Jesper Brett on the fourth line on Thursday against the Rangers. And I don't get that. I don't really understand. I know Brett has been struggling, but I don't know how that's all of a sudden going to make his situation better. And it certainly didn't because he still only has one goal. And I think only has like two or three points. And I know, again, 
he it, it took him a while because he was late to getting here and everything and I get all that but at some point you gotta start producing like you really do um Travis Ajak who got to a thousand games and I, I was very congratulatory of that. He, he is not, he's not it. He, he's not a good player. He, he doesn't do very much. The guys that I'm mentioning right now, you barely see doing anything on the ice. Like you forget that they're there because they barely do a whole lot during the game. And that's really difficult to watch. P.K. Subban. That was one of the worst moves the Devils have made in the last handful of years to go and acquire him. And we're starting to really understand why the Predators were so keen on moving him. It wasn't just to get cap space so they can sign Matt Duchesne, and it certainly hasn't worked, you know, with Duchesne and and the Predators. So, I mean, neither team is really winning this trade at all. But Subban came in with a lot of excitement, a lot of enthusiasm because of what he did in the past. And playing-wise, the player that he is now is a completely former shell of what he once was. He is, he whips on shots a lot. He doesn't play good defense at all. He doesn't play defense in general that much. And he's just a liability on the on the power play. He just, he does so many fake shots. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense at all. And that's the thing that's really upsetting to me because he had such high expectations. And I look at this team and I just look at, and I say, we got off to such a fun start, exciting start. We were winning games. We weren't supposed to win. We were making noise. People were wondering if we were for real. I was wondering if we were for real and you could say that it's a combination of many things as to why, why the devils are in the position that they're in. Number one is that yes, they are a young team. They're the youngest in the NHL statistically. Uh, so they have a lot of guys that are experiencing playing the NHL for the first time. Okay. Uh, number two, we're playing in a shortened season because of COVID. And so it's a sprint, not a marathon right from the jump. Number three, the Devils were off for 16 days in the middle of the season because they had a COVID outbreak. And, you know, we've heard things like Jason Tatum, um, the star player for the Boston Celtics in the, in the National Basketball Association, talking about the fact that even well after the fact that he dealt with COVID, he still has trouble, catch, you, know, you know, catching his breath. He still has trouble regaining that stamina. And you could put that in there as to a reason since basically everybody on this team dealt with it, that they're struggling to have good stamina. That is another reason. Uh, Another one, and this is probably an obvious one. The devils are playing in the toughest, most brutal division in the entire NHL. And there's no, there, there is no argument there. The devils are playing in a division with teams that have won the Stanley cup recently and are teams that are going to be primed to make a run at the cup this year. I mean, you got Boston, you got Washington, you got Philadelphia, you got Pittsburgh to a lesser extent. I mean, you have tough teams that you're facing game in and game out. Um, And the Devils were expected to be towards the bottom of their division and probably towards the bottom of the NHL. And maybe it's just the fan in me that didn't want to believe that. 
I was kind of in denial of that because as a fan, talking about it from a fan that maybe isn't as invested in the team. And what I mean by that is that they don't know the stats. They don't know the draft. They don't know anything. No, they're just a simple fan that just wants to see their team win no matter where they are at all. Um, Nobody likes to see their team lose, especially nobody likes to see their team lose consistently and so poorly like the Devils have lost over the last couple of games. But let's go to today's game. Like I said before, I'm recording this on March 6th. Uh, There will be another part of this talking uh, or more or less recapping how the Devils performed on Sunday, the 7th, against Boston at 5 o'clock on national TV. I will not be live streaming, live tweeting, excuse me, that game. Um, Quite frankly, I may not even watch it. Um, because of what has happened over the last couple of games, what what signs have the Devils shown that somehow it's going to change? But let's let's not jump ahead of ourselves too much. Let's go to today's game Saturday against the Rangers. You're going into this game, mind you, you're going into it knowing that you are 0-4 on the homestand right now. You are trying to avoid going 0-5 at home on this entire homestand, you were embarrassed on your home ice in front of, even though it was a small crowd, fans, six to one, you've lost four in a row at seven of your last eight, and you have, and you've lost your, your last eight home games in regulation, regulation home games. This was an opportunity to salvage just a little bit of, you know, this homestand and to have fans be a little bit pleased with it and say, okay, we finally got through that. Let's see if now we can kind of turn it around. And the devils, this entire game, well, maybe for all that except 17 seconds of it were not only just as bad as they were on Thursday, but they were worse in many ways. And it started with the Rangers went on a power play and Adam Fox of the Rangers got the puck from Georgiev behind the net. He went coast to coast, easily sliding past a couple of defensemen, got past the defense, went five hole through the legs of Blackwood and scored. This is a defenseman, mind you. Now I know that Adam Fox is one of the up and coming young defensemen in our game. I get that but he's still a defenseman. The fact that you allowed a defenseman to go the entire length of the ice and not even get a stick on the puck to at least prevent him from getting a grade-A opportunity is just vindicative of how bad defensively the Devils are. And the goaltending in that situation was also bad because Blackwood should have had that one. That was a weak goal to give up. It was a very, very weak goal to give up. And then the Devils gave up another goal. This time it was to Ryan Strome. And about seven, little over seven minutes into the game, you're already down to nothing. So at this point, you're just like, okay, we are just okay with getting killed again. 
Like, this is really what we're trying. Like, this is like, you could clearly see that this team has no confidence in themselves. They don't believe that they can win. They don't believe that they can come back from deficits. They don't believe that they can do even the most fundamentally easiest things possible to win you a hockey game. But the Devils teased us. And I know that's going to sound harsh, but it's true. The Devils teased us in that first period. It started with Subban scoring from the point. It was a great shot, by the way. And that type of goal and that type of shot is the PK Subban that everybody knew when the Devils acquired him a year and a half ago. That's what we wanted to see when he got here. And so, you know, look, they got one back. Great. And just 17 seconds later, Mikhail Moltsev is able to beat Georgiev off a nice feed from Bastion and score. And Moltsev apparently likes scoring against the Rangers because two of his three career goals so far have been against the Rangers. Albeit the first one he scored was an empty net goal, but still, it, it counts. It counts either way. But Moltsev has played relatively well over the last two, three games. So more or less, he's been somewhat aggressive. And I remember at that point saying that, yeah, the only two guys that have really done anything in this game other than score, just been productive, was P.K. Subban and Mikhail Moltsev. Everyone else has done literally nothing. And it took less than two minutes later for the Devils to give up the go-ahead goal. It was a nice cross-crease pass to the forward for the Rangers who scored, but it was also piss-poor defense giving up another odd man rush. Oh, and the guy who ended up scoring was none other than Devils legend Kevin Rooney. And look, Kevin Rooney was a scrub with the Devils. He was. He was a fourth-line John Hines lover boy scrub. He was only there to get the occasional goal, to fight, you know, or to mix it up, rough it up, and that was it. And that was literally his entire job. And the people that liked him were usually girls who found him attractive. Now, you might be offended by me saying that, but at the end of the day, it's true. Because when you look at it from a hockey standpoint, Kevin Rooney didn't do very much with the Devils when he was here. I do want to give him credit for the fact that he did, when he was interviewed at the end of today's game by Erica Walker, he did give credit to the Devils saying they're a first-class organization and he treated me very well. That's very nice, and I appreciate that. Also, fun fact, because of the fact Shesterkin was hurt, Keith Kincaid, another former Devils legend, was the backup goaltender for the Rangers. And, you know, obviously it wasn't going to happen, but I, I wondered what would have happened if he actually had to come in the game. I would have loved to see the Devils score on him, but we didn't get our opportunity in this one. Maybe we'll get it down the road in April. Who knows? Who knows? You know, a man can dream. But nonetheless, Kevin Rooney scores. 3-2 Rangers at the end of the first period. That was a really weird first period because it went from the lowest of lows to the highest of highs 
to back down to the lowest of lows. They snatched victory from the jaws of defeat, from the jaws of victory, from the jaws of defeat. I mean, it, it, that's really what you saw in that first period. But it was only three to two, only three to two. And there was still 40 minutes left to play. Keep in mind also that the Devils going into this game had not scored more than two goals in the entire homestand. That clearly the offense was struggling and that people needed to step up. And they didn't. And the Rangers continued to dominate this game as Hayek, Libor Hayek, to be exact, who had not scored a goal since 1718, excuse me, 1819, scored a goal less than a minute into, or actually it was about 60, it was exactly 65 seconds into the second period from a shot from the point. Now, it was a screen. It's a tough goal to, it's a tough shot to face, but it was still a backbreaking goal because all of a sudden the Devils are now down again by two goals. And the Devils just gave up. They just gave up. They didn't try to come back in this game. They flat out gave up. Filipino ended up scoring about eight and a half minutes into the third to make it five to two. Nate Bastion, because the Devils are really good at this, scored a nice wrist shot top shelf in the slot to make it five to three. Again, a goal little too, you know, little too late. Too little too late to be exact. And the Devils are the masters of scoring worthless goals that will not change the outcome of the game. Now, the only good news was that it was the first and only time in this homestand that we scored two-plus goals, that we scored more than two goals in a game. Fantastic. But about a minute later, Ryan Strom scored his second goal of the game in an empty net, something the Devils don't really do at all. They actually struggle with dramatically. And the game ended up 6-3, to three, and that was the final. So after that game, let's look at where the Devils are at the moment, shall we? Because I like, you know, I'm a, I'm a big stats guy, and I like to give you guys some some really good stats that will really put you in a, it really help you understand where we are. The Devils finished 0 for 5, 0 and 5 on the homestand, earning not a single point. There were 10 points available, and the Devils didn't even get. One, they lost two games to Washington, one to the Islanders, and two embarrassing and honestly pathetic games against your Hudson River rival in the New York Rangers. You were outscored 12 to 4 in those two games against the Rangers. You have now lost five in a row, and it might be six, depending on what the what the Devils do against Boston. And like I said. You'll hear a different clip of me, you know, finishing this off. I will recap that and add it on to the end of this episode. Um, you are losers of eight of your last nine. And you've now lost nine consecutive regulation home games in a row. 
Do you understand how bad all of those things are? If anybody from the devil's organization is somehow listening to this, I want to be very, very clear. I want to be very, very clear. I know that the devils are a rebuilding team. I am aware of this. I am aware of this. But for you to come out like you did to start the year, give us all of this hope and enthusiasm and belief that we were going in the right direction to then follow that up with losing five in a row, losing eight of your last nine, having also gone 0-3 so far with fans in the stands and to be outscored 12-4 to by your biggest rival clearly, state, clearly shows that there is so much wrong with this team that it cannot be fixed in certain ways with the, with the majority of the players and coaches that we have right now. I am not mad at Tom Fitzgerald because Tom Fitzgerald was not really responsible for the situation that the Devils are in. No. The fault of why the Devils are where they are at this moment relies on a couple of people. The first people is Joshua Harris and David Blitzer, the owners of the New Jersey Devils. Neither one of them gives a shit about the Devils. And I don't want to hear you, you people trying to defend them because they don't care. They are businessmen. They care about the bottom line. They've done a lot of great things for the community. Wonderful. But let's understand, we are not the only asset that they have. Oh, no. They have a much more sexy, big-time asset in a much more popular sports league in the United States. And that is the National Basketball Association, as they are the owners of the Philadelphia 76ers, who are at the moment the top team in the Eastern Conference with stars like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And they spent a considerable amount of money to bring in Doc Rivers as their head coach, a coach with a winning track record, a coach who's won a championship. And they are putting themselves in a position to go win because they want to win. When Joshua Harris spoke to the media last year after firing John Hines and then later firing Ray Shiro as his general manager, I remember him saying that he expected this team, the Devils, to be way more competitive than they actually were and be a lot more of a winning team. And to me, that felt good because it felt like, okay, we have an owner, owner here that wants this team to win, that wants this team to be successful. I don't believe him anymore because they clearly are okay with this. And I'll tell you why they're also okay with the Devils continuing to be this way. During the summer, if you guys remember, there were a couple of groups that were looking to try to purchase the New York Mets of Major League Baseball. And one of those groups was Joshua Harris and David Blitzer. 
The same owners of the 76ers and the New Jersey Devils were also trying to, to buy one of the most well-known franchises in baseball and one of the perennial losers in baseball for a long time. And it wasn't going to come cheap. And clearly, that ownership group did not have the money, nor did they have any sort of a chance to really get in anywhere close to buying the team. There were two other groups, with one being Steve Cohen, who ended up getting the team. And that was a, that was a break for the Devils. That was a break. Because had they also become the owners of the Mets, we would be the third most interesting asset that this that that ownership group has and even less money would have been invested into the team the interest of the owners is not the same as the interest of the fans and i want people to understand that because when you're in a situation when you're a team that has gone year year after year after year being not only bad but towards the bottom of your league you stop looking at the players, the coaches, even the general managers, and you start looking at the person that really is in charge of everything. And you start to wonder, does this person actually care about us and about the team's success or not? Let's take James Dolan for an example, right? The Rangers have been able, at least before the last two, three years, have been able to be a consistent, competitive team with a lot of great talent and great and star players every now and then. And that's because James Dolan has decided to not be involved at all in hockey operations and allow people, smart hockey people, to do what they need to do. With the Knicks, he tries to make it all about him. And he doesn't really care that much about the team winning. If he did, the Knicks would have, would be a lot closer to winning a championship than they are right now. They would have. Because he would have done the same process as he does with the Rangers, and he probably would have been closer. But he doesn't care that much. He cares about himself and his ego. That might not be the best example, but that was one. Let me give you another. Let me give you another. Let's look at, I don't know, let's look at the Florida Panthers for an example, right? And it might be tough because the Panthers are having a really good year this year, and they are for real in many ways. But for the majority of their history, they have not been that good. They've had many years where even when they are good, there's no, there's barely any fans in the stands. And they could have, they've had a lot of great talent, but never been able to be successful to the point to where they can possibly win a Stanley Cup other than 1996, which was still very early on in their existence. The reason for that is because the ownership group, whoever that might be, doesn't really care that they win. He or she only cares about them getting money and the bottom line. That's what businessmen do. This is what businessmen do. This is why businessmen are doing so much to cut costs, cut salary, do all these moves that fans would say, this is so dumb, why are we doing it? It's because they're trying to save their losses. So that's really what it is. But when you look at the Devils organization, the Devils for the last five, six, seven, eight years 
usually have had some of the highest cap spaces in an offseason than any other team in the league. And every year, even the halfway through the season, they still have a ridiculous amount of cap space. Now, you could say it's because all the Devils are trying to wait for the right move to make, you know, or they're trying to find that bit, you know, waiting for that big free agent that they know will get them over the hump. That's not, that's not the reason at all. The reason is because the ownership group does not want to spend the money to go try and to be competitive. And when Ray Shiro last season tried to do that by acquiring P.K. Subed's $9 million contract, by acquiring and signing Nikita Gusev to a two-year deal, by giving Nico Hishir an extension in the middle of last season, the ownership group was upset once the team started to falter because they put a lot of money into this and they weren't doing well. So we've gone back to being a young rebuilding team that doesn't spend a lot of money. And the ownership group is fine with that because they don't have to worry about losing a whole lot of money because they're barely paying anybody on this team. They're barely worried about that. So you have to understand that if you want to blame somebody, start at the top and work your way down. But there's one other person I didn't, I didn't mention yet that I want to mention. Ray Shiro. I think there's a reason now we understand why the Penguins fired Ray Shiro. And it took us a long time to figure that out. Ray Shiro made a handful of really good moves that put the Devils in a position where they could make that, net, you know, they could get to that point of being a Stanley Cup contender at some point. You know, obviously making the move to acquire Taylor Hall you know, acquiring draft picks to get other players. General manager of a team that got the number one overall pick, not once, but twice. He seemed to do well with holding on to cap space so that we could have money to give a lot to Nico Hishier and other guys, maybe even down the road. But he also made a lot of moves that really failed this team. The biggest one was hiring John Hines as the head coach. And the reason John Hines was hired was because he was a former Pittsburgh head. He was a former Pittsburgh coach. Ray Shiro loves his Pittsburgh guys, and he was going to bring them in. Hell, he brought in Bo Bennett when he first got here, and Bo Bennett was a complete flop. And after a while, you started to wonder, are we just like the, 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 re, the retread version of the Penguins? Is that really what we're doing here? But he brought in John Hines, and we knew right from the get-go he wasn't going to do that well, and he didn't. Now you could say, oh, but they made the playoffs in 17-18. They went to the playoffs in spite of him. His system of this conservative defensive, we're only going to take 15 shots a game, doesn't work. Go ask Nashville fans right now if they're a big fan of John Hines. He's proven for so long now that he is not good. His system works in like college, maybe in the AHL if you're lucky, but that's it. That's it. That was the biggest mistake that, that Ray Shiro made. 
but he also did not go out and get talented players when we had the cap space to acquire said talented player. We could have given a crap load of money to John Tavares. We could have given a crap load of money to Eric Carlson. We could have done something to acquire Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, guy Matt Duchesne. We could have done that and made this team a lot better. Now, these players still could have said no and not wanted to come to New Jersey. Okay. But at least try. At least act like you want to try to win. And I know you also want to build your team through the farm system and have some young, talented players in your system. Ray Shiro was terrible at that for the most part. Yankee drafted Nico. Yankee drafted, he drafted um, Jack Hughes. Yankee drafted Jesper Bratt and Ty Smith and Blackwood. Yeah, he did that. He did all of that. But there were plenty of other guys that were just flat out abysmal. Pavel Zaka over Matt Barzell? Really? Michael McLeod? Really? I mean... Like, like, these guys had so much high expectations when they came here and for several years have proven that they're just not capable of it. They're not capable of being this good, of being good enough to be worthy of the position that they were drafted in. And I know Zaka just came off a 10-game point streak, but it's been, what, now two, three games in a row where he hasn't gotten a point? Put him on the first line today? Like that was somehow going to work? Come on, what are we talking about here, guys? Honestly, what are we talking about? Ray Shiro did a poor job of drafting and developing a handful of players that are either still on this team or at this point are gone. And some of them are probably going to be gone after this year too. Because Tom Fitzgerald is going to get a pass from me because this isn't really his team. He needs to be given another two years, at least, to prove whether he can do it or not. He needs, to be, he needs to be given that chance. But I will be critical of the fact that he did hire Lindy Ruff. Now, when the Devils hired Lindy Ruff, I wasn't laughing or, or freaking out like a lot of Devils fans were. Because I knew what Lindy Ruff had been in Buffalo and in Dallas and what he could bring to this team. I think the game is past Lindy Ruff by in many ways. I think the coaching staff that the Devils have, the game has passed them by. And the fact that we kept Elaine Nasruddin, who was a John Hines disciple and has proven for the last five, six years that he does not know what to do defensively, is a fireball offense. Should have been fired four or five years ago. Mark Recchi, I could see why the Penguins fired him. I could totally see it. These guys are not doing the job that they were brought in to do. Because this team on the ice sucks. They're not competitive. There's no fight. There's no belief in this team. And game in and game out, we already know we are not going to win and we're going to get spanked. 
in one way or another. It might not be necessarily in the score sheet. We might get spanked on the shots on goal. We got spanked today. We outshot the Rangers 36 to 19 and lost six to one. We got outshot by two times today and we lost six to three. The Rangers just came into the financial center and just wiped the floor with us for six periods. Blackwood looked terrible. Aaron Dell looked terrible when he got in. You might as well put in Scott Wedgwood tomorrow and give him an opportunity because you got nothing to lose. And that's pretty much it. I, I don't know what else I can say. And we've been doing this for four, five, six, seven, eight years. Since 2012, when we lost in six games in the cup final to the Kings, we have been mediocre to abysmal. We are not the same respected Devils organization that we were when Lou Lamoureux was helping us win Stanley Cups and constantly making the playoffs and doing the things that he needed to do. And you can put some blame on Lou that he never tried to rebuild this team when he was near the end of his time in New Jersey. You could. But the majority of this is the new ownership group, Ray Shiro, the coaching staff, and to be honest with you, the players. Because a lot of these veteran players, a lot of these players that are here, just do not understand the fundamentals of hockey. They, they make the worst passes I've ever seen. This is a poor, piss-poor passing team, a piss-poor puck-handling team, and a piss-poor shooting team. They are just a piss-poor hockey team, and it's been going on for a long time. It has been nearly a decade since the Devils went to the cup final. And they have barely done anything since then. They made the playoffs and lost it five games to Tampa. And we all thought that that was the beginning of the turnaround. What happened the very next year? We fell to the bottom of the NHL again and had to get the number one overall pick again. Last year, high expectations. We have all the star power. We're trying to get Taylor Hall to sign long term. We go Four nothing against Winnipeg in the first game at home to start the season, and blow a four nothing lead and lose in a shootout, and that was it for the rest of the season. And we finished one point, one behind Montreal, and that would have put us in the bubble where we would have seen a little bit of playoff hockey, so to speak. And that's. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. And we've had the likes of Yager, Lee Stepniak, Mike Camilleri, and other guys like that, you know, just guys that were clearly past their prime that are not built to help this team get better. And we kept drafting and not developing these players and missing on some great players as well. I am speaking as an embarrassed fan of this team. I'm pissed off because what I've seen the last couple of games is the same thing I saw back in 2014. This team doesn't know how to pass correctly, doesn't know how to shoot, doesn't know how to 
handle the puck, doesn't know how to play defense. The goaltending needs a lot of work. And when we go on special teams, our penalty kill is not only the worst in the NHL this season, but arguably one of the worst in NHL history. And our power play, we should play a drinking game every time they make a pass instead of shooting the puck. And you'd be blacked out by the end of the, by 30 seconds into the first power play. And the amount of times that I hear Steve Cangelosi say, shot wide, shot blocked, shot deflected wide, why this, why that, why that? I don't hear other teams doing that. I don't see it. I don't see it. And please tell me I'm not the only one that doesn't notice these things. Please tell me I'm not the only one. I, I can't be the only one in this situation. I just can't. I can't at all. I am so frustrated, appalled, disgusted, embarrassed, fed up with this team. We are less than 25 games into the season. And in many ways, the season already feels like it's over. That we're just, that we're not even trying to tank. We just suck. And if it wasn't for Buffalo being abysmal like us, we would be not only a dead last, but probably a couple games in front of, you know, behind everybody else. We are 30th. At the time of this recording, we are 30th in the, in the league. The only other team worse than us is Buffalo with one point. Oh, and this is a Buffalo team that we've lost to three times this year already. How? How the hell have we lost to Buffalo that many times already this season without the likes of Jack Eichel or Taylor Hall doing anything against us? I am not impressed with Lindy Ruff anymore. His line combinations don't work. There isn't passion. There isn't fire. There isn't belief. And these veteran players are allowing the young kids to just be let out to dry. And they're just like, eh, who cares? It is what it is. Let's move on to the next game. Whatever. I just don't really know what to say anymore. I mean, I've said a lot in the last hour, but it's just so depressing to wake up and watch this team game in and game out, play games like they played recently. And that also feeling like there literally is no hope. Now, Fitzgerald drafted some pretty talented players in this year's draft. Alexander Holtz, Dawson Mercer, Shakir Mukamadulin, um, Artem Schlain, who I had the pleasure of interviewing a couple months ago. If you haven't heard that episode, please go check that out. You know, we have some guys that maybe in the new era of Devils hockey could finally bring us out of this type of hockey. But if it doesn't work out in the next two or three years, and I'm still seeing the same stuff, you, you have to tear it down again. I mean, I think half this team needs to go anyway. I mean, there aren't that many guys that I'm, I would want to leave protected in the Seattle expansion drive this upcoming year. I, I don't, 
There isn't that many guys that have earned that opportunity. And here's the thing that made it worse today. The Binghamton Devils played the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre Penguins at home. They had a 3-0 lead. They lost 6-3. So the same crap that we see with the NHL team gets, gets you know passed on to our AHL affiliate. That right there shows you that this is an organizational problem, that this is something that needs to be wiped clean, just completely wiped clean. And this needs to be a thing where it's like, this is never happening again. We're never doing it this way. And I know these guys are playing every other day. They're playing the toughest teams in the NHL. They dealt with COVID, new coaching staff, a lot of young players. I get all that. But you started the year with such enthusiasm and such excitement, even after coming back from COVID. And now you look like you have no business being in the NHL sometimes. The Rangers are young too. What, what's the difference? What is the difference? Explain that to me. Go ahead. For anybody who's younger than I am, explain it to me. I'm only 23 years of age, ladies and gentlemen, okay? I wasn't fully conscious when the Devils won Cups. I was alive for two of them, but I wasn't conscious, okay? So I had not experienced a whole lot of, of wonderful memories in postseason play or in Devils history, okay? From a team standpoint. I've seen them lose heartbreaking Game seven losses to Carolina, to the Rangers, to the Flyers. I saw them get shit, you know, screwed basically and shitted on by the refs in the 2012 Cup. I've seen us get obliterated on national TV, outdoors at Yankee Stadium, in person, mind you. And I've seen John Hines make this team look so incompetent, it's not even funny. And this is where we're at now. And I know that some people are going to be offended by this, but I'm going to be honest. For anybody that has gone to a game so far, don't go to another one for several reasons. Number one, we are still in a pandemic. Not everybody has gotten vaccinated. There are new variants. We're, it's still not fully safe. And you don't know where everybody has been necessarily. And even though you're wearing a mask and social distancing and all that, still a possibility, especially if you live like I do, live with people that are of high risk. Just saying. But you have the right to do whatever you please. Number two, prices are ridiculous, ridiculously high. They are. They, they really are. And for people that have lost jobs, that don't have enough money at, at times to pay their bills and things like that, to then spend money to go to a Devils game is just, you know, it's tough. It's tough to make people do that. But it is what it is. And also the Devils suck. Why do you want to watch this team? Like, why? I don't get it. But anyway, it's been going on for about an hour now. A little, little less than that. But I will end it with this. 
I'm going to continue to watch this team. I'm going to continue to support. I'm going to continue to be a fan because that's what I am. And I only hope that at some point enough will be enough and the team will make a decision to do something about this in a positive way. That's all you can hope for as a fan because you have very little control of what's going on. And we'll see what happens in a second when I talk about Boston. And we'll see what happens moving forward. It's all we can do. So that's pretty much all I got to say. And we'll see what happens in the future. And, you know, honestly, guys, this, this team is so, so fascinating to me because, as you guys just heard for the last hour, uh, my sheer frustration and my disappointment with the team, and they must have somehow heard me say this before I even put it out there in the public because they went into Boston tonight, and I'm recording this actually at around 12.30 in the morning on the 8th of, of March, Monday, uh, coming off of the Devils beating the Bruins in Boston one to nothing as the Devils improved their record to 3-0-1 this season against the Boston Bruins and already their sixth victory on the road this season. And it this was just one of those situations where it just felt like, okay, we were not going to win this game. Like we're, you know, going into it, it's like, okay, we're playing Boston in Boston. Even though we've had success, we're just really reeling right now. And it just felt like, going into it that it was like, okay, how are we going to find a way to, you know, lose this one? You know, what exactly are we going to be, are we going to be doing? And that's really kind of the situation that, you know, we were in going into this game and you just kind of were, were hoping that they would come out and play better. And Lindy Ruff made a lot of switches in this game. Um, You know, one of the ones was obviously Ryan Murray finally back in the lineup as he replaced Will Butcher. Michael McLeod got into the game. Nikita Gusev got benched. And Scott Wedgwood, for the first time in a long time, got himself the start in net with Blackwood backing him up. And then looking at these line combinations, which Amanda Stein said right from the get-go that it had nothing to do with, like, this wasn't, you know, definitive. She said, before everyone goes nuts, the real determination of who is the top line, et cetera, is based on minutes they play, not the order written out. So basically what Lindy Ruff was doing was he was switching up the lines as much as he could to try to get a spark, to try to get a message and to just get a better response in general from this team. And, you know, you had Sharon Govitz, Zajac and Kwokinen uh, as that first line, Moltsev, Zaka, Palmieri, Janssen, Hughes, Bratt and Wood, McLeod, Bastion. And the the defensive pairings were virtually the same, you know, Smith, Severson, Kulikov, Subban, and then Murray taking over. Or Butcher paired with Vatanen. And, you know, right from the start, the Devils didn't really play, you know, tremendous, but Scott Wedgwood came to play in this one, baby. He came to play. He had 40 saves and the shutout. 40 saves and the shutout. That is absolutely incredible. And somebody messaged me, Later on, in, like at the end of the game, say, can we just play Boston the rest of the year? Because it's just one of those situations where I guess the Devils just seem to match up well with Boston. And another person told me, they said, watch the Devils 
make the playoffs and they're the eighth seed and their first and the and the team they play in the first round is the Boston Bruins. Now, guys, obviously, like I said, you just heard me for an hour, you know, very sounding very depressed and everything. And, you know, I felt like a jerk after the fact that the Devils won this game that I that I had done that I had said what I had said. But I'm going to be honest with you. And I, I want to bring this back a little bit. Just because the Devils won this game doesn't really change a whole lot. I mean, the Devils have still been struggling and they only scored one goal tonight. It's not like they scored three or four goals and that was that. But what was positive about this game was that after the fact you just lost five in a row at home to, you know, to the likes of Washington, the Islanders and the Rangers. And in the last two games, just basically not show up to then go to Boston uh, on a back to back and find a way to win that game in, in that situation is just a phenomenal thing. And that was great. But again, it doesn't really change a whole lot. Um, and it just, that that's just really what I, I would say about it. Um, Pavel Zaka got the only goal of this game off a, uh, off a rebound. Palmieri and Subban got assists. And P.K. Subban, from what I was told, had arguably one of his best games all around. I mean, he was really, really good. But Scott Wedgwood was the story of this game. Scott Wedgwood was the story of this game, making 40 saves, not allowing a goal, and the Devils continuing their success against Boston. And that's really an impressive thing that they've already played them four times. They play them four more times the rest of the season. And they've already gotten basically seven out of the eight possible points they could get, you know, against this team. Whereas Boston's only gotten three points out of the possible eight that they could get, losing two games at home now to the Devils. But this was just a, it was such a great response after the last handful of games we played. But again, it doesn't change a whole lot that this team is still very, very, you know, sucks in many ways. But for them to have a victory like this was, was still a special one. And we'll see how they respond now that they are traveling to Washington on Tuesday. And then obviously they come back relatively to the area and begin a three-game series against the Islanders with the first game on Thursday being at the Island. And then the other two games are at home back-to-back against the same Islanders team. But all in all, just wanted to quickly recap this game. Um, Like I said, there just wasn't a whole lot that went on. Uh, It was a good game defensively, especially from the goaltending from Scott Wedgwood. Um, and it's just, it just makes you laugh because you just never know with this devil's team, you know, you could be at the lowest of lows followed by somehow doing this, but it was a tremendous victory and let's see if the devils can build off of it. I I don't know, but we'll see, but I still stand by what I said for the last hour. Um, if you agree with it, disagree with it, that's fine. But yeah, just, I don't, I don't know what to tell you guys. That was, that was something else. What's going on, Devils fans? It's your host, Neil Villapiano. Thank you so much for checking out this edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get the most up-to-date news about your New Jersey Devils. If you want to check out more of the podcast, here's what you do. You go wherever you listen to podcasts, so that could be Spotify, that could be iTunes, that could be Google Podcasts, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts, you go and you search Devil's State of Mind, and you will find the new episodes that we post every week on both Mondays 
and Thursdays. Please also go check out the Hockey Podcast Network as a whole. We have podcasts for all the teams in the NHL, as well as other great hockey podcasts. So just like with Devil's State of Mind, just search Hockey Podcast Network, and you can see all the podcasts that we have on this great network. You can follow the Devil's State of Mind on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Devil's State, and you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Devil's State of Mind. Make sure to also follow the Hockey Podcast Network on all social media platforms. Just search at H-O-C-K-E-Y, Hockey, P-O-D, Pod, N-E-T, Net. If you want to listen to more of my voice, go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Podcast, where I talk about all things going on in the wide world of sports. New episodes go out every Monday and Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Presents channel on YouTube, where just like the podcast, I talk about different topics that are going on in the world of sports as well. New videos go out every single Tuesday on YouTube. So it's spelled M-O-F-O-B-O Network Presents, and you will find it. Again, new videos out every Tuesday. You can stay up to date with all the new episodes and videos by following me on my personal Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W, my personal Instagram at N-V-P-Q-B-11, and also Mofobo Network on Facebook. And last, but certainly not least, go check out both my books on Amazon and Barnes & Noble right now. The first is J-E-T-S- Pain, pain, pain. The agony and the ecstasy, nah, no ecstasy of being a Jets fan. This book is about all the pain and suffering of being a New York Jets fan. So from all the painful moves, painful games, painful player decisions, painful ownership decisions, you know, where, you know anything we could think of, it's in this book. So this is really for the Jets fan. So if you're a Jets fan, a football fan, if you know someone of those, or if you just want to support me, go check out that book. The other book that I just published recently is titled Meet the Mets Mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town. This one is all about the regrets of being a Mets fan. And even through world championships in 1969 and 1986, there was so much regret between those years, between those years, as well as the years following 1986. Both of these books are available for both hardcover and ebook for the price of 1969. So if you're a Jets fan or a Mets fan, or by some chance you're both, you probably guessed why I chose that price. So again, please go check out both of those books. The first one, J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 The Pain and Suffering of Being a New York Jets Fan, and also Meet the Mets Mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town. So once again, thank you guys so much for checking out this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. My name is Neil Villapiano, and we will see you in the next episode. Everyone continue to be the amazing people that you are you know, every single day, you know, always remember to just be yourself and continue to kick absolute butt. And one last thing, rock on. Woo!